Wasn't that exciting? That was great. Hello, St. Saviours. <laughs> right. It's the radio mic. I'm almost sorted. Sorry. Here we go. Three years ago, I watched a Christian friend of mine slowly losing the battle against a long illness. Many of us had prayed that he would be healed, but to no avail. It was a long and painful ordeal, and it was difficult to watch, let alone to go through. When he finally died, he left a wife and two young children. Everything about the situation was wrong and begged the question, where was God in our time of need? So I was asked today to speak on my favorite passage from the Bible. I have to confess, I don't particularly have a favorite. It's a good book. I have quite a few bits that I like. But the passage I'm going to speak on today is one of the most important to me. The reason it's, I value it so gratefully, greatly is that it is my understanding of what it means to follow Christ. And this is the verse that I cling to when everything seems to be going wrong. So here goes. Hebrews was written for the Jewish Christians. The writer, knowing that they were struggling because they were suffering from persecution on account of the gospel and fearing that their faith may be shaken, encourages them to persevere. In chapter 11, he stresses the important role that faith plays in standing firm in season and out. And he gives examples from their own scriptures of those who through faith have endured persecutions, who have been sustained through many dangers, and in the fullness of time, who have obtained a distinguished reward. Faith has always been the mark of God's servants. For faith is what pleases God. As we are told in verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So what is this faith? Well, verse 1 tells us faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, the word that the Hebrew writer uses, which is translated as confidence, is something called hypostasis. And it comes from two Greek words, hypo, meaning under, and stasis, meaning standing. A literal translation of that word is that which stands under. So faith is therefore to be understood to be like the foundations of a building. Though rarely seen, the strength and integrity of the foundation impacts every visible part of the building. It is the foundation of faith upon which we base our hope and our hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So what exactly is this foundation of faith? Well, this um, foundation is the ability to be able to believe and trust in God's unchanging love for us, his providence, 
and his his presence with us, no matter what our circumstances. It is a firm persuasion and expectation that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. It is an expectation that there will be an end to injustice and a certainty that the present suffering is absolutely nothing compared to the blessings that God has in store for us. In short, faith takes hold of God's promises at a great distance, makes them present, and lives life accordingly. It is as a result of faith that Paul is able to say that he is content in all circumstances. And that is the first one of my five observations about faith. That is, true faith underpins the Christian life. It is when we hold, it is when, it is when we hold to this faith, even when our visible circumstances give us absolutely no reason to do so, that we have hope and assurance. Now, I've learned over the years that things are not always as they seem. You see, a purely worldly perspective is a blinkered perspective because it takes no account of God. With only a worldly perspective, it's no small wonder that Pharaoh wasn't very intimidated by the stuttering and old Moses. Or Goliath did not find the young and um, inexperienced David something to be frightened of. But as Christians, we have the benefit of an eternal spiritual perspective too. The Bible is full of stories of men of women and faith whose situation looked hopeless. When Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego go into the furnace, it doesn't look very promising. When Lazarus was placed in the tomb, it didn't look good. And when Jesus was nailed to the cross, everything seemed lost. But things were not as they seemed. At this point, I have a a clip for you, which I believe illustrates this point rather well. Um, Before we actually play it, I'd firstly like to apologize that it's a really bad quality clip, but it's the only one I could find, so it's the best I could get. When you're looking at it, can I ask you to look at three things? One, the striker's expression and his reaction. The goalkeeper's reaction. And thirdly, and very importantly, the ball. Elfmeter Witz beim Spiel um den Oberligaaufstieg in Südtirol. Beim Stand von 4 zu 4 tritt Michael Palmer vom ASV Tramin an und setzt den Ball gegen die Latte. Loris Angeli ist außer sich vor Glück. Der Torwart von Drocalcio stürmt aus seinem Kasten. Palmer hingegen kann es nicht fassen. Beide bemerken allerdings nicht, dass der Ball noch im Spiel ist und ganz langsam und allmählich doch noch den Weg ins Tor findet. Thank you. Thank that's it. That's great. Thank you. I have absolutely no doubt that when Jesus breathed what appeared to be his last breath, the enemy, like the goalkeeper, was celebrating big time. But, like the goalkeeper, his rejoicing was premature. 
For the very thing that the enemy had chosen to destroy was the thing that, in fact, God was going to use to destroy him. It was the thing that inaugurated his kingdom, restored creation, and saved mankind. And for each of us, there will be times when we feel like that striker, that our situation is hopeless and that all is lost. It's at times like these that we need faith to sustain us. No matter how obviously life is rigged against us, there is always hope because absolutely nothing is impossible for God. And here comes my second little observation about faith. True faith propagates godly hope. This faith I'm referring to isn't merely an intellectual acceptance of certain doctrines or theories, nor it is a feeling that we need to sort of rustle up. Faith is much more than that. Faith is how our whole self responds to God. And I'd like to illustrate what I mean by that in an anecdote from Ken Davis called The Pendulum. As a student, I was asked to teach a lesson on the law of the pendulum. The law of the pendulum is a pendulum can never return to a point higher than the point from which it was released. Each time it swings, it makes less and less of an arc until it finally comes to rest. After explaining this theory to the other students for about 20 minutes, I attached a three-foot piece of string to a small weight, and I secured it to the top of the blackboard with a thumbtack. I then pulled the weight to one side and made a mark on the blackboard where I let it go. Each time it swung back, I made a new mark. It took less than a minute for the weight to come to rest. And when I had finished my demonstration, the markings on the, on the board proved my thesis. I then asked the people in the room if they believed that the law of the pendulum was true. All my classmates raised their hands, and so did the teacher, who started to walk to the front of the room thinking that my demonstration was over. In reality, it had only just begun. Hanging from the steel ceiling beams in the middle of the room was a large, crude, but functional pendulum. 250 pounds of metal weights tied to a sturdy cord. I invited the instructor to climb up onto the table and sit on a chair with the back of his head against a cement wall. Then I brought the 250 pounds of metal up to his nose holding the pendulum just a fraction of an inch from his face, I once again explained the law of the pendulum that he had applauded only moments earlier. And I said, if the law of the pendulum is true, then when I release this mass of metal, it will swing across the room and return short of its release point. Your nose will be in no danger. I asked, sir, do you believe that law is true? There was a long pause. Huge beads of sweat formed on his upper lip. And then weakly, he nodded and whispered, yes. I released the pendulum. It made a swishing sound as it arched across the room. At the far end of its swing, 
It paused momentarily and then started back. I have never seen a man move so quickly in my life. He literally dived off the table. I asked the class, does he believe in the law of the pendulum? The students unanimously answered, no. My third observation about faith is, true faith cannot merely be an intellectual theory or something that, that I give lip service to, nor is it a feeling I have. True faith looks like something. Faith is what motivates and prompts our actions and what gives us courage and strength to carry them out. If we cannot stand our ground when we are challenged, but like the teacher, dive for cover, that is because our faith has lost its pulse. As James 2.17 says, faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. Faith that is alive and kicking should spur us into action. To quote William Booth, faith and works should travel side by side, step answers step, like the legs of a man walking. First faith, then works, then faith, then works again, until you can scarcely, and, until they can scarcely distinguish which is one and which is the other. When we're walking in faith, we're walking in obedience to God, stepping out in love, not knowing what will befall, befall us, but trusting in his providence and in his presence with us. This is not to be confused with a false understanding of faith, which is actually held by quite a lot of Christians. Um, for instance, people who believe in the prosperity gospel. This understanding is that if we lead a godly life and we pray in faith, all our prayers will be answered with a yes, and we will be healthy, wealthy, and happy. This is not the experience of the prophets, it is not the experience of the apostles, and it certainly wasn't the experience of Jesus. Nor is it what Hebrews teaches us. This false faith leads only to disappointment and discouragement. True faith is not a magical cure for suffering or death, nor is it about easy answers. It doesn't even solve uncertainty. Rather, true faith is the opposite of doubt and fear. True faith means that whether we're delivered from our situation or not, we stick to our belief that God is love. And in the fullness of time, our faith will be rewarded. Faith means trusting God no matter what. It's kind of like this. One night, a house caught on fire and a young boy was forced to flee to the roof. The father stood on the ground below with outstretched arms, calling to his son, jump, I'll catch you. He knew that the boy had to jump in order to save his life. But all the boy could see were the flames, the smoke and the blackness. As can be imagined, he was afraid to leave the roof. To leave the roof. His father kept calling, jump, I'll catch you. But the boy protested, but daddy, I can't see you. And the father replied, but I can see you 
And that's all that matters. Let's face it, trusting God isn't always easy. There are times when it's hard to see his presence in our circumstances, and everything within us cries out, why have you forsaken me? As my friend was battling with his illness, it was his faith that enabled him to discern God's loving presence in the midst of his sufferings. It was faith that filled his heart with peace in spite of his circumstances. It was faith that enabled him to trust his family to God's care. And faith that in spite of the enormous pain of separation from those he loved, caused him to look to his future with hope and even joy at the prospect of spending an eternity with the Heavenly Father. His faith did not change his circumstances, but it changed him and it changed all those around him. Faith is what gives us the ability to trust God and believe that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind has conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Faith remembers that God so loved the world that he willingly gave his only son so that those who believed in him might have eternal life. Faith knows that in time, God will wipe away every tear from our eyes, that there will no longer be death, mourning, crying, or pain, for these things will pass away. This knowledge is what gives us courage and wisdom to live with certainty, to live with uncertainty, suffering, pain, and even death. For as verse 14 tells us, as believers, we walk as strangers in this land, whose home is heaven. We are pilgrims traveling towards our home. And that's my fourth observation about faith. True faith enables us to trust in God, no matter what our circumstances are. When I first became a Christian, I was taught about spiritual gifts. And frankly, I was very excited. What is not exciting about seeing the miracles that we read about in the Bibles happening today? And I was told that I should eagerly, I should eagerly desire these gifts. And I did, a lot. I particularly eagerly desired the gift of healing, because I thought that one's like a double whammy. Not only is the person I'm praying for who gets healed um, blessed, but also it's the most amazing witness to anybody else watching of the God who I serve. So I eagerly deserved that gift. I was a little less enthusiastic about the gift of faith. The gift of faith, to my mind, was like a sort of badge you'd give to a hermit or, or to a monk, one of these really holy people. And uh, it was a badge of merit. But I didn't really want that. I wanted more get your hands dirty, get stuck in, that sort of a, a gift. But now, if you to ask me which gift I most eagerly desired, it would undoubtedly be faith. Because it is faith that helps me when I pray for people for healing. It is faith that transforms us, faith that gives us courage, faith that equips us, and faith that helps us to trust. Knowing and trusting in the love of God is the wellspring of the Christian life. And without faith, our, our life will run dry. So the big question is, how do we get this faith? 
Whilst it's undoubtedly true that faith that is robust enough to sustain us in times of crisis is one that has been nurtured, exercised and strengthened by spending time with God, by meditating on all he's revealed in Christ and by spending time in his word. Because obviously the better we know God, the more we realize how trustworthy he is. Whilst all that is true though, there's absolutely nothing that we can do to earn faith. The good news is faith is a gift freely given. As Ephesians 2.8 tells us, by grace you've been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift from God. And that's my fifth and final observation about faith. True faith isn't something to be mustered up by our own efforts. It's a free, unmerited gift from God. Luke 17.6 tells us, even if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. I don't know about you, but I'm ashamed to say, I'm not sure I have the faith enough to ask a mulberry bush to be uprooted and be planted in the sea, which means that my faith is even smaller than a mustard seed. Even though we recognize it as a gift, having that sort of faith can seem like an impossible dream. If that's how you're feeling now, please do not be discouraged. I want to finish with a story from John Wimber's book, Power Healing. After having preached on healing for the sick for nearly a year, and yet seeing no healings whatsoever, John's faith did not feel very robust. However, when a member of his congregation asked him to go and pray for his sick wife, John felt obliged to comply. And this is the explanation of what happened. When I arrived at the house, the husband led me into the bedroom. The wife looked terrible. Her face was red and swollen with fever. Oh no, I inwardly groaned. This looks like a hard one. I walked over and laid hands on her, mumbled a faithless prayer, and then I turned around and began explaining to her husband why some people do not get healed. A talk I had perfected during the last 10 months. I was well into my explanation when his eye caught something behind me, and he started grinning. I turned around to see the wife out of bed and looking like a new person. What happened to you? I asked. I'm well, she said. You healed me. Would you like to stay for a coffee or some breakfast? I couldn't believe it. She was well. When John set out to pray for this woman, he didn't feel a surge of faith, nor did he have much confidence when he prayed. But he demonstrated faith by being willing to go anyway. God honored his obedience, and the faith that he needed was provided when he needed it. The bottom line is, when we're going through a difficult time, we may not feel full of faith. But faith is not a feeling. If I can take you back to Ken Davis' story about the pendulum, when, the te when, the teacher, when he asked the teacher if he believed the law of the pendulum to be true, even though he did have huge beads of sweat on his upper lip, and he demonstrated very little confidence when he said yes, if he had managed to stay on his chair as the weight headed towards him, he would have demonstrated faith. There are times when people feel a surge of faith, 
when they are facing insurmountable challenges. However, feelings alone are not a reliable gauge of faith. Faith, if it exists, is recognizable by the action it inspires. The reason that this is, verse is so precious to me, it tells me that when I'm going through a difficult time, I don't have to look like I'm Samson going into battle. I don't even have to look like little David facing Goliath. I, demonstra I demonstrate faith when the pendulum of life takes a swing at me and I hang in there no matter what, because I know in my knowing, I know in my deepest part of my being that God loves me and in the fullness of time, my faith will be rewarded. And I wanted to finish by saying, if, if that's you right now, and you're hanging on there by your fingernails, well done, you good and faithful servant. That's what faith looks like. It doesn't have easy answers. And in practicality, it's hard to hang in there when everything seems to be going wrong. I think before it would be good to have this opportunity to ask for this gift. It may be that you are in a place now where you are facing something new. Uh, you feel like God's prompting you to do something that's way beyond your capabilities. Or it may be that you're facing a situation where you feel overwhelmed and you don't feel you've got the faith the size of a mustard seed. And um, I think it'd be really good to ask the Spirit um, just to give us the faith that we need for whatever situation we're in. So uh, let's stand. Lord, I just want to apologize for myself where there are times when I feel I don't have faith. But faith is the gift we as Christians urgently live. It is our heartbeat. It is what helps us and sustains us. And we are so hungry for that now, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you would fill each person in this room with faith. I pray, Lord, that you would speak deep unto deep, that we would know how long and high and wide and deep your love is for us. I pray that each person in this room would know that they are chosen and precious in your sight. I pray for anybody who's
feeling that they are a disappointment. I thank you that that is not true. I pray that they would know your affirmation today. And Lord, I pray for us as a church family that we would be full of faith, that we would carry your presence wherever we go. Amen. Um, it may be that some people would uh, like to have some prayer if you're facing a new situation or you just would like a little bit more faith, please do come forward and ministry team if you could come forward too. And uh, I thought it would be good that we sing a worship song at the same time.